You are listening to Therapist Unplugged for straight talk on life, relationships, and mental health. I am your host, Lori Poole, licensed professional counselor with the Montfort Group in North Dallas. Each episode will feature the unplugged views of guests and fellow therapists as we navigate hot topics, therapy trends, and the world around us. Corey, this week's episode of Therapist Unplugged, we're going to talk about adultery and infidelity. What are your thoughts about that? Are you seeing more clients coming in with that as an issue when you're working with couples? Well, I have to say that I think uh, I've been seeing a a little less of that problem with couples. I have seen a lot of couples in the last um, year and a half during this pandemic, but I almost feel like the infidelity has been a little less frequent of a problem, maybe because people just, you know, aren't going to work and getting out, you know, and uh, social distancing and all that stuff. But yeah, yeah, I still definitely see it as a problem. You know, what's interesting is that the definition or what people consider to be infidelity has changed so much over the years. Don't you think women in the workforce, uh, electronics, cell phones, Mm -hmm. email, when, when I ask couples, how did you learn about the affair? It's nine times out of 10 because of text messages and emails. Oh, and that's like the worst way to find out, right? Because it just kind of, you can't unsee it. Exactly. Exactly. I think the other thing, so there's that piece of it. The other thing is, I think as there are more and more studies being done about infidelity, is that there are different kinds of infidelity now. Mm. We used to think of it as predominantly men who would have affairs or step outside their marriages and relationships with coworkers. Mm -hmm. That isn't true anymore. Yeah. And then what is cheating? So, so some people, you know, they, they will see back and forth text messaging or pictures or something. And, you know, it might not have gone all the way to, you know, physical intimacy, but they still feel cheated on, which I get. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you know, how do you define cheating? That's a big question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that because of electronics too, there seems to be, I'm seeing more of what people are calling emotional affairs. Mm. So there hasn't been sexual intimacy, but there is a connection with another party through text messaging, mm. through emails, through frequent phone calls, Mm -hmm. and it may even be with someone in another state. Mm -hmm. And then the partner finds out about this emotional connection Mm -hmm. and they read the language Mm -hmm. or they hear the exchange on a voicemail Mm -hmm. and they think, oh my God, this, you know, my partner is involved with somebody else. Yeah. It feels very threatening, very threatening, very, um, this, the rate, that sense of betrayal is yeah. really, really. Yeah. So, um, so how do you address that um, initially when couples come in and one person, you know, says, I mean, obviously it's kind of a crisis situation, right? They've, mm-hmm. they've made the appointment. One, one person is just, you know, desperately trying to feel better the other person as well, too. I think people forget about that, too. Um, you know, just the the shame and guilt and fear on, you know, mm-hmm. the perpetrator's side, yeah. too. Yeah. So what's, what's the 
what's the first thing that you ask and do? The first thing I do is try to create an environment or a level of safety so that the hurt party can express what they're feeling, Mm -hmm. slow things down, because when they come in, their hair's on fire. Mm -hmm. They're in a crisis mode. It is this immediate. The hurt partner probably isn't eating well, isn't sleeping, is Mm -hmm. full of anxiety Mm -hmm. and hypervigilant. And they are so angry. I mean, the pain gets translated into this anger. Mm -hmm. And, um, And so, you know, we'll spend time really working through that. And what's hard for the party who has stepped out of the relationship is to tolerate yes. the expression of pain, anger, betrayal, because they already feel crappy yeah. about what happened, yeah. or there's a level of shame, and they just want to move through it so everything can be okay. Mm-hmm. But the irony of a situation like that, Corey, is that the person who can offer the most comfort and soothing is the person who stepped outside of the relationship. Oh, right. Right. Like, who do you go to when you feel betrayed like that? Exactly. Usually you go to your partner. That's right. That's Um, right. And the other thing, there's there's another dynamic, which is the party who is hurt often feels even more isolated because who are they going to tell about what's happened without then opening themselves to judgment Mm. by family members, by friends, because Mm -hmm. the knee-jerk reaction is cut it off, break the relationship, get out of the marriage, Mm -hmm. all that. And it's not that simple. No. And and again, it's such a careful process as the therapist too, because like you said, you want to give the person who, you know, feels betrayed and the most anxious and afraid and hurt some time to air those grievances. But as therapists, uh, we know that it's probably more complicated Mm -hmm. than, than what meets the eye. We know that there has been possibly a disconnect in the relationship for quite some time or that, you know, the communication wasn't where it needed to be so that it didn't get to a place where there was this secret um, third party in the relationship. But, uh, and we also know we don't want to set up a dynamic where the, I'll, I'll call this person the perpetrator, right? The one who stepped outside of the relationship uh, feels so guilty or, you know, so beholden to the other person's, you know, wanting to surveil them or control everything they do so that they can feel safe or that they believe that they're sorry, mm-hmm. that it, the dynamic starts to shift in an even more unhealthy way. That's right. Oh, it's so, it's it's such a delicate process. It's very difficult. And I think over time when, and I will often say this to the party who stepped outside, if you can just hang in here with me, you are in such a powerful position to offer comfort and soothing to your partner. But you also had a very different experience, Mm. and that's just as important. Mm. And I really want to understand what this has been like for you. And when a partner who has betrayed their spouse or their significant other can make space for the pain of their partner Mm. and also be open to their own experience of shame 
and betrayal. The other part of it is if it's an emotional affair, there's often grief that yes. the person who has stepped outside of the relationship, there's a grief and loss mm-hmm. that sometimes they need time mm-hmm. to process that because that third party maybe was like an anesthetic or a salve over mm-hmm. some of the things that were happening in the relationship or in the marriage. So yeah. it's complicated. There are many realities, many perspectives and truths. And, um, you know, it takes time to work through all those different sections of recovery, I think. Yeah. Um, Esther Perel, you know, she she's the famous author, therapist uh, that writes about affairs in her latest book, uh, State of Affairs. Um, she she talks about uh, the the person who steps outside of the relationship wasn't necessarily looking for someone else, mm-hmm. but finding a part of themselves that they had not experienced maybe ever or certainly in a long time. Yes. So to be able to eventually talk with uh, their spouse about what they found out about themselves through that third party um, and how can they safely bring that part back to the relationship in a safe way? You know, mm. Yeah. And that's a hard one because the party who's hurt doesn't necessarily want to dip in that water. Mm. Like they're curious about it because part of the, part of the injury in an affair and infidelity is that the party who's hurt then also starts to have a narrative or beliefs about themselves. I wasn't enough. Yeah, I couldn't hold their interest. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm uh, not as attractive, mm-hmm. and and so on. When in fact, often with infidelity and affairs, the really the the part that catches people or hooks people in is how they feel about themselves. To mm-hmm. your point about mm-hmm. Esther's book, yeah. And I know we've kind of been talking about, uh, or at least I've caught myself talking about it in relation to the man having the affair in this, and we're talking, you know, about a heterosexual couple. Uh, but we know that this happens in a variety of relationships and types of relationships. Um, and, you know, there's also, and I think the stats are even that it's equal that women also are having affairs, you know, mm-hmm. that, that uh, it's historically been told, you know, that men we're That's having right. most affairs, but but women also are struggling with um, with monogamy, long term mm-hmm. monogamy. Um, so yeah, what do you think is the difference? How a wife or a husband takes like the knowledge of the affair? Do you think there's a difference between that, what men think about? Versus what women think about. That's a really, really good question, Corey. And I haven't thought about it too much, to be honest with you, because when I have a couple sitting in front of me, I'm not thinking about male versus female necessarily. Mm. I'm thinking about what are the dynamics of that couple? Mm. How are they listening to one another? Mm. Can they hold space for a partner to express? Uh, is the anxiety level, like I've seen both men and women be as 
hyper vigilant and critical mm-hmm. and pursuing mm-hmm. um based more on personality and mm-hmm. attachment style mm-hmm. if that makes sense as yeah. opposed to whether they're the, the gender women. differences yeah i still think there's some um and i'm and i'm certainly i know that there's uh, outliers and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I do think there's some, um, differences sometimes about what men value mm. on the whole, uh, you know, that they, they value their status, they value their performance, you know, and so mm. some of their fears when finding out that a woman has gone outside of the relationship, mm-hmm. uh, might be some of those things rather, you know, again, speaking in generalized terms, a woman might fear is, you know, am I pretty enough? Am I young enough? Um, what, how am I inadequate? How am I not fulfilling his needs? Mm -hmm. And even what men and women want in relationships can be a little bit different, you know, where, you know, how much autonomy is necessary, how much togetherness is necessary, um, and again, yeah, to your point, I think personality has a lot to do with that and attachment style. But I do think, you know, men and women on on the whole are are wired a little bit differently. I think, well, I think they can, I think possibly, I think they are wired differently. But here's the other thing. It's what men express or don't express. In other words, if I'm processing with um, a husband, for example, whose wife has had an affair, mm-hmm. it's very hard, I think, for a lot of men to talk about the vulnerability yes, and yes. feeling less of or not enough. Yeah, they go to anger, right? Yeah. It's, it's harder for them to maybe, again, I know we're generalizing, but it's harder for them maybe to break down and cry and say, I'm so afraid. Yes. Right. Whereas I might see that more from a female and then men will just be, I'm so angry. How do I, you know, how do I fix this? Um, I think the anxiety, I think there, I think often men's reaction to the pain, the anxiety, mm -hmm. the not knowing where they stand, the fear, Mm -hmm. their reaction to those emotions is anger. Mm-hmm. But their brain gets hijacked, right? It's like the amygdala kicks in. We know that when a primary relationship is threatened, meaning we could potentially lose that partner, mm-hmm. it's like our brain short circuits yeah, and yeah. we go into this fear mode. Mm-hmm. And so the hypervigilance kicks in. Mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, in the couples that I've worked with, I can see both of those um trends happening in the relationship but with men it may be expressed differently yeah yeah you know you know because uh anger is more acceptable mm-hmm. than than vulnerability that's right that's right yeah. and actually in their vulnerability it's so interesting because when mm-hmm. when i'm working with a couple and you know i'm really like trying to coax some of that man this must be so hard mm-hmm. When you think about what didn't I have, Mm -hmm. why couldn't I make her happy like she is with him? Mm -hmm. That um, in that vulnerability, when they talk about their fear of losing their partner, Mm -hmm. like often their wives will be just, oh my God, I've waited so long to hear something like Mm -hmm. that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so 
I think in that regard, sometimes the healing through, not sometimes, often, I think that the healing through infidelity helps couples to create a second marriage with the same person. Yeah, Yeah. I say that a lot. I say, you know, your first marriage is over. Yes. Um, And and this is a part of the quilt that you are making together. Yeah. Uh, And I think a lot of growth, I mean, even in nature, happens in the valley. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So this is the lowest point, but this is where the growth happens. Yeah. Um, and so there, you know, just to encourage them um, to to look at sometimes pain can create this awareness that needed to be addressed. These mm-hmm. problems needed to be addressed. Um, and so when, again, when you, when you can give the the hurt person a little bit of time to process their anger and, and kind of hold the one who stepped outside the marriage to say, okay, just be a little patient. Yeah. You know, give us a, give us, give us a minute Mm -hmm. to allow your partner to, to grieve. I think then that's when you can start to step forward and begin to understand, you know, what is possible. And Mm -hmm. I, and that's a, that's a great next question too, is just, what are expectations for marriage? You know, mm-hmm. what is it supposed to do for you long term? And I think our expectations over time have risen, right? Oh my gosh! Yes. Right, where you know, back, back, you know, at the beginning of of uh, or maybe a hundred years ago or whatever, it was um, about practicality and economics. Correct. Yeah, it made sense, and there were kind of rigid gender roles, um, and so you have people that stayed married for a really long time yet if you rated their satisfaction or happiness they would say me you know can i can i just raise a point that really bugs me yeah this idea that when we get married to someone or that when we choose to marry we find a partner that they are our everything yeah and our soulmate and all these romantic mm. notions it's so much crap a lot, That's of a lot to put on a partner yep. that they have to be everything yeah. and meet all your needs yeah. you know, a, a, a solid marriage a healthy marriage should be like a venn diagram Right. You have the parts that overlap Mm -hmm. where you're together, Mm -hmm. but you also have individual autonomy. You need different kinds of people in your life. Yeah, for sure. I've heard. um, So I I kind of um, subscribe to a hybrid of that. So Mm -hmm. I've heard, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. So you have like food, water, shelter at the bottom of the pyramid. um, And then you know, creating meaning is the very top of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. And so what we, this definition of marriage has changed over time towards extremely practical at the beginning, uh, where, you know, it was just for financial or, you know, political security. Um, and that was just the baseline of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but it wasn't very satisfactory, right? So we've moved to this place where I think it can be extremely powerful and, and amazing at the top of the pyramid, which is to create meaning mm-hmm. and um, to be fulfilled. But so I like that the expectations have risen over time, but now to the point where there is no room for other people or other kinds of relationships or even to process your own your own anxiety or sadness that mm-hmm. would exist within or without that relationship, yeah, you know, but it's easy to point to someone 
when you're in a relationship and say, that's why I'm unhappy or that's why I'm bored or that's why I'm stuck. Yeah. And so really, again, going to how important just having a therapist over the course of your life can be is, is this something that my partner is the correct audience for? Mm -hmm. Is this something that my partner can help me with? Or is this an expectation that may be too high for a relationship to solve, you know? Mm -hmm. I think the other, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I think the other part of it too, though, is... Um, what are the qualities or the characteristics of couples who have safe, secure adult attachment? Mm-hmm. And the, and, and, you know, we're wired for connection. Mm-hmm. That is as important as the food, the shelter, mm-hmm. all of that is we need to be connected to people. We are human beings. That's yeah. what, that's what contributes yeah. to us being unique. And so, I think that in a safe, secure adult attachment, if I'm looking at it through that lens, Mm -hmm. is one where you feel that you trust that when you reach for your partner, they will respond, Mm -hmm. that you can go to them in vulnerability and know you're going to be emotionally safe, Mm -hmm. that they've got your back, that you can stand shoulder to shoulder, even if you disagree. Yeah. All right. That to me from, you know, sort of my orientation and so on, that's what I work towards with clients so that they are secure in the relationship without pointing to, oh, but you didn't do this and you didn't do that and so on. Because we need different kinds of people in our lives. Yeah. So that again, coming to that balance of autonomy, Mm -hmm. which is also extremely important to us as individuals, right? Yeah. Um, and also that connection. Yeah. And and sometimes you're going to need more connection than your partner. That's right. You know? Exactly. And so to, yep. to understand on the whole and give grace, um, I think it's really important. This topic is Obviously, we, we could talk about Listen, for we a long have time. We will on this topic, we and will. we will certainly come back to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but um, this is a great start, and um, you know, maybe, and I, I definitely think there's so many different kinds of relationships uh, that we can talk about as far as uh, intimacy, and you know, it, it's not just sexual intimacy. You know, so right. I look forward to it. Yeah, me too. Emotional intimacy, open relationships. Mm. Same-sex relationships. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. All of it. Family of origin. Yeah. Yeah. Parents, children. Yes. Relationship dances. Speaking of. Yes. Who are you going to visit? I'm going to, I'm going, I'm going home to Montreal for 10 days. I'm waiting for the arrival of a little granddaughter. Oh, I'm so excited. Well, I'm sure we'll, um, <laughs> we'll get to hear all about it, but, oh, yeah. um, thanks for beginning this conversation. And, um, I look forward to hearing, hearing more about it from other special guests that you have. Yes. And, um, you know, uh, and, and if, if, any of you listeners have a question or a comment about stuff we talk about, because I'm sure we'll have different opinions and, and views, please just let us know. Absolutely. Would love to hear from our three listeners. <laughs> Any ideas? <laughs> I, heard, topics. I, I heard we have more now. Oh, oh do we? Yeah, okay, yeah. it's more than three. Yeah, okay. Okay, that's great. Okay, I feel encouraged. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks, Corey. Mm.
The Montfort Group aims to provide a serene, calming setting where you can feel challenged, supported, and motivated. Our skilled therapists bridge specialized backgrounds and varied philosophies together to create one unified strategy. Rather than steer you away from your own natural abilities, we help you maximize your unique strengths to uncover the boldest version of yourself. We do not view a broken history as the end of a story. We see it as an opportunity for a new beginning. To learn more about our practice and how we can help you, please visit us at themontfortgroup.com.